0: The following sermon is from Redemption Bible Church of New Braunfels, where we are proclaiming the authority of God's Word without apology in order to fulfill the Great Commission in the spirit of the Great Commandment. Um, If you turn to 1 Peter chapter 5, we're going to be in verses 1 through 5. And um, I've I've titled this morning's message, The Shepherd's Charge. Um, And there's there's several meanings to that. Uh, One is that even though you... You don't know me, maybe. Um, I've been a pastor here for the past, um, well, since, since you guys launched as a church. Um, and you're like, you've been a pastor here? I don't even know you. How can you be my pastor? And I don't even know you. Well, um, it's, it's been an odd arrangement. Um, I've been an overseer from a different city, helping to encourage Blair and uh, to help him to make decisions uh, that impact all of you. And there is no church outside of the church that I serve primarily that I have prayed for more in the past two years than this church right here. And this is my last day. (laughs) I'll be continuing to pray for you, but this is my last day as a pastor here. And, uh, And I have a charge for you. I have a charge for you as a church. I have a charge for Cade as a pastor who is going to be installed this morning. So this charge comes from me as a a shepherd, if even an outgoing shepherd. Uh, I don't mean outgoing, I mean outgoing. Um, (laughs) But the other meaning is that this charge isn't mainly from me. It's mainly from the pastor Peter. He's writing in 1 Peter and specifically here he references himself as a pastor, as a fellow elder. And as he writes, he writes to uh, elders and, he, and pastors and he writes to congregations about what it means to handle leadership and responding to leadership as the people of God. And a further meaning, and I think the deepest meaning of this idea of a shepherd's charge is that it, it really, it comes from the chief shepherd, right? God himself has inspired the pastor Peter to give us this charge. And so this morning we want to look at this charge from our chief shepherd. And what we see when we look at First Peter 1 through 5, what we're going to see is that there are three main exhortations. Three main exhortations. Do this. One that's focused on elders. Do this. Another one that's focused on congregations. And then another that's focused on everybody. And we're going to look at each of those. And We're going to look at them really carefully because if we're honest, this leadership thing can get really weird with us. With all of us. It's just a part of the fallen human heart is that this leadership thing and responding to leadership can get really weird. And if if you don't know that about yourself, just wait. (laughs) It's kind of like marriage. Like you go into marriage, you're thinking you're pretty all right and then you're married for a little while and you're like, wow, I can be pretty selfish. I, I, I I didn't know that as well as I do now. And when... When you step into leadership, you, you quickly realize that, hey, my, my fallen human heart has some impulses here that, 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 that really don't line up with Jesus' way of leadership. And that's going on in here. And, and then when you're, when you're under leadership, whether even, it's, even if it's at work or if you're in the military or in your some, some other organization where you're under leadership, it doesn't take long for you to realize, hey, my fallen human heart has some impulses in there that doesn't really line up with Jesus' way of responding to leadership. Like, I got some eye rolls in my heart. (laughs) All right. We understood that. So it's easy to get this leadership thing and this responding to leadership thing wrong. And Peter knows that. God knows that. Which is why he inspired Peter to write this. And and here's the thing. If we're going to be God's people, and we are, by the grace of God, and if we're going to proclaim God's message, then it's fitting that we should handle leadership and responding to leadership in a way that puts God on display. So let's read together 1 Peter chapter 5 verses 1 through 5. So I exhort the elders among you, Peter writes, as a fellow elder and a witness of the sufferings of Christ, Likewise, you who are younger, be subject to the elders. Clothe yourself, all of you, with humility toward one another. For God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Well, as I said, and and you can see there in our passage, Peter gives three main exhortations. Three main exhortations, and and they might be printed in your notes. I don't know how you guys do that. uh, they, they're they're going to be up on our slides here. And the first exhortation that we see there is lead. Lead. Shepherd the flock among you. That's what Peter says. Right? He gives this to the elders. You got to do this, man. But before he gives the exhortation, right? Before the pitch, there is a wind up. Do you see it? Right? Before he says, shepherd the flock of God, what does he say? He says... So I exhort the elders among you as a fellow elder and as a witness of the sufferings of Christ as well as a partaker of the glory that's to be revealed. So there's this wind-up before he pitches the exhortation. You see what I'm saying there in the, in the, in the syntax of the passage? Why the wind-up? Why does he say this? Because in leading the church there's going to be suffering. And ultimately, there's going to be glory. But first, there's going to be suffering. Um, I don't know if the church has prepared a little gift for you this morning, but um, if I was going to just give you a gift, to be a football helmet. Okay. <laughs> because, and you know this, if you have ever led anything, it's not easy. It's just not easy to lead. There is suffering involved. And hey, oftentimes the suffering is just, you know, a little jostling, a little bruising, a little agonizing over whether or not this is the right decision. Uh, but then sometimes it's, it's, it's harder than that. I, I, I just saw a post just yesterday Somebody just posted up on Twitter uh, another pastor who said, I don't know why it is, but if you step into ministry, you just need to know this, um, there are going to be people who lie about you. Don't know why that is, but they just will. They'll mistreat you just because you're a pastor, which might sound a little counterintuitive to you. But I just want to tell you it's true. You know, I used to run a law firm. (laughs) In Austin, Texas, I ran a downtown law firm. And, uh, I mean, I was the guy, like, you you know, like, the lawyers? Like, the lawyers, like, oh, those are kind of crusty, rigid um, lawyers. I was the crustier, rigidier one (laughs) that made (laughs) the lawyers do what they were supposed to do. Like, I ran the law firm. And... uh, And then I became a pastor. I I, I exited that career, and I became a pastor in vocational ministry. And I got to tell you, uh, people treated me with more warmth as the administrator of a law firm than many do as a pastor. I don't know why that is. Now, don't get me wrong. Lots of people treat me with incredible generosity and warmth. lots and lots of people, but there's a lot of people who are just going to wrap up every bad thing that has ever happened in church and put it on you, even though it's not your fault. And I exhort you, as a fellow elder, I just want you to know, but blessed are you when others revile you. This is what Jesus said. For so they treated the prophets. And not only that, but of course, so they treated our Lord himself. And you're not doing this for other people's respect. You're doing this for the glory of Jesus, who knows suffering and who has called you. And you are looking forward To forever and in all eternity, hearing him say, Well done, good and faithful servant. The suffering that Peter's mentioning here, that's just the wind up. That's just a hey, you should know. But there's glory to be revealed. Now, so that's the wind up, and then here's the pitch. What's the first main exhortation and where, where we'll spend most of our time? It's this exhortation lead. You gotta do this, man. You gotta pastor. You gotta be the shepherd. You have to exercise the oversight. What does he say? Shepherd the flock of God that is among you, exercising oversight. If we're going to handle leadership in a way that puts God on display, you're going to have to lead. Leaders got to lead. The word pastor comes from this verb that Peter's using right here shepherd, right? Shepherd. And it's almost always used as a verb. It's a thing to do. And pastors who don't pastor, that's a problem. Now, what does it mean to pastor? What does it mean to shepherd? Shepherd the flock of God. Exercising oversight. Well, there's actually a lot of things involved. Uh, When you hear the words exercising oversight... Well, you might think of, like, decision-making. Being an elder is like sitting around a table and making business decisions for the church. Like, how are we going to handle this? We're making a decision here that impacts everybody, and we want to make a good and wise one, and this is what it means to exercise oversight. Who who would think that that's a part of what's involved? All right. Those of you who raise your hands, you'd be right. But it's way more than that, Right? I don't want you to get the impression I know you don't have it. And I don't want you to get the impression that being an elder is somehow just being like a trustee. Although you will have to make decisions together with Blair that will impact everyone in the church. And the weight of that um, is significant. But it's not just decision making. It's also counseling. Counseling healing, coming around people, coming around you. I, I Right now, I want to um, help you prepare um, for this man to come around you and counsel you and your family in some pretty hard places. And that's a grace from God to have that man in your life to be a part of that healing process. If you think that's involved in shepherding, go ahead, raise your hand. All right. We're warming up. Those hands will get going. Here's another one. Here's another one. Because you realize, I think, that ministry is for all of us, right? Is there anyone here who is not called to be a part of the healing process for our fellow brothers and sisters in Christ? No, we're all called to that, right? Yeah, there might be some hard cases that, that really that, that need some special skill and some special intensity. And those might be yours often. But we're all called to be a part of the counseling and healing work that God is doing through and amongst his church. So because of that, here's another part that's going to be involved in shepherding and giving oversight, and that is equipping. Right? If we're all called to it, who's going to help us do a good job? Well, this guy, and Blair. That's a big part of what you're called to, man, is equipping. That's a part of this leading, is equipping the saints. Right? Ephesians 4, equipping the saints for the work of the ministry. What that makes you is just like a lead minister, right? We're all ministers, right? Let's raise our hands for that one. Who's a minister here? Right? That was all of you. <laughs> well, that makes you, as an elder, as a pastor, is just a lead minister. Like Aaron helps lead worship here. So is he, is he, is he the worshiper? No, he, he's the lead worshiper, right? He's one worshiper who's helping lead us all. Uh, are the pastors in this church the ministers? No, they're just lead ministers helping us all to do the ministry. This is what it's going to mean to lead here. There'll also be some other things like confronting false teaching if it springs up, right? Protecting the flock if there are those who would s- s- work their way in to harm other people. Like you you're, you're going to have to confront some people. Like that's all goes into being a kind of place where the leaders lead. Now, how should he do it? How should I do it? How should anyone who's called to a leadership role in the ministry of the local church, how should we do it? Just in any style we want to? Now, now Peter goes on. He says there's actually a chosen ministry style from God. There's a manner in which we need to do this. Now, at this point, you might be saying, okay, if the rest of the next 20 minutes is all going to be about this guy, uh, maybe I could just doodle because, uh, you know, it seems seems like he's the one who's getting the charge here. But no, 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 no. I want you to understand, like, this manner in which we're called to do ministry, that applies to all of us. There is nothing here that Peter is saying that doesn't apply to all of us. When it says, not under compulsion, but willingly, that applies to us all. When it says, not for shameful gain, but eagerly, that applies to us all. So let's talk a little bit about this manner in which God has called us to do this ministry. We can't just do it in any style we want. Here's how I abbreviate it. Not grumbly. Grumbly. Not grabby, not pushy. Not grumbly, not grabby, and not pushy. You see it? Not grumbly, which is to say, not under compulsion. Not under compulsion. What does that mean? Not grumbly, right? You don't feel like, oh, I've got to do this. Well, I'm the pastor here, (laughs) so I'm getting the 4 a.m. calls, right? Yeah, you are getting the 4 a.m. calls. I'm the pastor here. So I guess I have to have that difficult conversation. Yeah. You do need to have that difficult conversation, but you can't do it grumbly. That doesn't honor the Lord. Well, I'm I'm one of the leaders here, so I, I guess... I'm going to be the one that has to step in and and welcome this awkward person, this socially awkward person that can't seem to connect with the rest of the church, and I guess it's going to be my responsibility to connect with them and then fold them into the life of this church and and make sure that they're a part of the body. Yeah, that's exactly right, but you better not do it with a grumbling attitude. That is an honor and a privilege to do for for the people of God, for the brothers and the sisters. All of those things are true. And all of those things are hard. And all of those things can be something that a a fallen human heart, which we all have, would grumble about. But Peter says specifically, not under compulsion. Don't do it that way. But rather, willingly, as God would have you. As God would have you. So you're getting the 4 a.m. calls, right? You're going to put put yourself in cage shoes. You're getting the 4 a.m. calls, and some of you will get them, and that's that's a privilege too, right? And and, and some of you will have to have some difficult conversations, right? How then can we move forward, not grumbly, but willingly? Because you realize God is doing something. You realize God is doing something as you're picking up the phone at 4 a.m., you realize God is doing something as you're having that difficult conversation. You realize God is doing something as you connect with that awkward person and you fold them into the discipleship life of this church. You realize God is using you. How is that something to grumble about? And He might use you as a scalpel in one sense, and He might use you as a comforting heating pad in another place, or He might use you as just the right medicine in another place, but He is using you. Don't grumble. You might even not see the results. Mm-hmm. Trust him. Amen. Trust his work. Don't grumble about it. Not grumbly, not grabby. Not grabby. Peter says, not for shameful gain. <coughs> You're not trying to grab something. You're not trying to grab the prominence in a community and... and, and, and especially in this context the the financial gain that might come from the prominence in that community like that's not that, that cannot be a motive when it comes to leadership in the church of God it can't be trying to grab some spotlight or control you can't be grabby but rather eagerly eagerly eager for what? eager to give the blessings of God that have come your way through his word and your role in the local church. You're giving this stuff away. You are eager to give it away. I have a I have a little boys three and uh, I think he's probably out there making all that noise actually. <laughs> and uh, he's just starting to potty train and so um, the way we're doing it right now is... uh. If he, if he pulls it off, um, he gets a Skittle. But he doesn't, he doesn't just get a, a Skittle for himself. He gets a whole handful of Skittles to pass out to every person in the house. And he is so eager. to come. I mean, he comes running into wherever I'm at. And he's got a Skittle in his hand. And he's like, ha, 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 I want you to have this. He gave me one this morning. I was shaving and he put it right in my mouth. He's so eager to distribute the good things that have been given to him. That's the kind of eagerness. That's the kind of eagerness that Peter is calling for in the church of God, to eagerly distribute. This isn't about what you can get. This is about what you can give. Not grumbly, not grabby, not pushy, not pushy. What does the text say? Not domineering over those in your charge. Can't be pushy. Anybody here ever been pushy? All right. The same people, actually, that have raised their hands for all the others. (laughs) Right? Like, most of the time, we don't want to be jerks. That's not what we want. We just want to see things happen. Right? I just want to get this done. I just want to see, I just want this to change. And and so we get pushy. And that's going to be a temptation. That's going to be a temptation for every leader who's leading. Because leading means getting things to happen. But it's not God's way of getting things to happen. You think the fast way is being pushy. The fast way is the slow way. The slow way is the fast way. Being an example. Yeah, I know, it seems like it's going to be slow. But it's God's way. It's the right way. And eventually, it is the effective and fast way. Being the Christ-like example to this flock. Being the Christ-like example in your home. Can't be pushy. You'd be an example. And there's a prize. You see that? There's a prize. Verse 4 says, When the chief shepherd appears, you will receive the unfading crown of glory. What is that? What does that crown look like? I don't know. All I know is that one day Christ is going to look you in the eye. And any suffering that you have had in this charge, he knows it all. And any sacrifice, he knows it all. And any agonizing over, was this the right decision? Or, Did I handle this right? And he knows it all. And you know he does. But one day, you are going to see his eyes, and you're going to see that knowing in his eyes. And he is going to look back at you with knowing and appreciation even. Can you imagine a look of appreciation from Jesus Christ? I mean, what else is well done, good and faithful servant, than appreciation? That, or something like it, is the unfading crown of glory. Don't ever stop imagining that day. Leaders got to lead. That's how God says to do it. Now, there's a second main exhortation in this text. And it's this one. Follow. The first exhortation is to elders. The second exhortation is to congregations. Follow. The text says, Likewise, you who are younger be subject to the elders. So, what? Well, hold on a second. Um, I might not be younger than Cade. <laughs> I think we need to get out our driver's licenses and just check to see whether or not I need to actually follow this elder. Um, that's, that's not really what's being conveyed here. Um, if it was just about being younger, there's actually another Greek word that would be likely used here. This word has the connotation, not just of being younger in age, but like in seniority, in, in the officing of the church. It was very common, at least at this time, for the, the elders t- to be, uh, seeing as how the faith was new, elders, to be older people in the congregation, but well, that isn't always the case. But Peter is specifically talking about this office of being an elder. And, and you who are in the congregation, you who are under this authority, be under this authority. Follow. He's saying, look, if, if we're the people of God and we've, we're going to preach God's message, we need to handle leadership and followership in a way that puts God on display. And that means following. Being subject. Being submissive. Putting yourself under authority. How can we practically do this? Let me give you some practical suggestions. You want to be a congregation that follows well? You want to be a congregation that honors the Lord and puts Him on display just in the way that you follow your leaders? Some practical suggestions. Here's one. Believe the best. Believe the best. Hebrews 13, 17 says, um, Obey your leaders as those who will give an account for your souls. As those who will give an account for your souls. And this is what I want you to know about Cade and about Blair. Blair they take that verse really, really seriously. The idea that they would stand before Jesus Christ and give an account for your soul is on their hearts. I want you to know that now. And then, five months from now, a year from now, two years from now, when, when you are, for whatever reason, doubting it, don't. Believe the best about them because the best is true. Here's another practical suggestion. Think joy. Think joy. That same verse I just quoted from Hebrews 13, 17 says this. uh, Obey your leaders as those who who will give an account for your souls and do 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 that in a way that causes them joy and not groaning. Uh, if you've ever been a leader, you know that there can sometimes be some groaning. Hopefully not grumbling, but a little groaning like, oh, okay, this, this, this person's making this hard. And the author of Hebrews says, don't, don't do that. Be the person who's making this a joy. Be the person who's making this a joy. Think joy. The author of Hebrews says, because it's actually of no benefit for you to make this hard. Here's a third practical way. Do ministry in your small group. Do ministry in your small group. This church is a church of small groups, right? Right? You've got brothers and sisters in a living room at some point in the middle of the week that you're doing ministry with, and that is right and good. And, and and as you engage ministry at this church, man, there's there's a reason why that ministry structure is there. There's a span of care for the people in your church, right? Cade can't do the ministry that it takes to... to to hold and to counsel and to confront and to encourage and to hold accountable every person in this room. That's why you have brothers and sisters in that living room each week. Yeah. Now, there are going to be things that, that come up that need elder attention. That's fine. You've got to lead. But there are spans of care in this church that are for your good. Engage them. Engage them. Here's my last practical instruction: Don't make them read your mind. <laughs> if you've ever been a leader of anything, you know that uh, it's very difficult to read people's minds, and <laughs> and sometimes uh, there's something that you just wish uh, a leader of yours understood about you or knew or that you were feeling, and you don't tell them because they should just know. That's not fair. That's not fair. Don't make them read your mind. Come to them. They want to hear from you. Now, the last exhortation, the last main exhortation is this. All his way. All his way. If the first one was towards elders mainly and the second one was towards congregations mainly, this one is to everybody, all his way, humble yourself says, clothe yourselves, all of you, with humility toward one another. Clothe yourselves with humility. Why does Peter put it that way? Well, I think he's got something specific in mind. I think he has specifically in mind the time that he saw Jesus clothe himself with humility, with the apron of a servant, and knelt down and washed feet, even though Peter says, I'm not going to let you touch my feet. And he says, all of you. All of you, we follow that example. We clothe ourselves with humility. That is to say, we don't just have humble thoughts. We don't just feel humble feelings. We go and take the action to humble ourselves with one another. That humility is not just on the inside, it's on the outside. It's all the way through. To have that servant's heart and that servant's posture. You, you want to know? <laughs> you want to know if you have a servant's heart? You ever just wonder that about yourself? Maybe not. Here's how you can find out. Just wait till someone treats you like a servant. Then you'll know if you have a servant's heart.
1: <laughs>
0: yeah. That servant's heart's got to go all the way through. We have to clothe ourselves with humility. Because here's the result. Here's the result. If we don't, God opposes the proud. Opposes. Can you imagine if God, the living God, whom we desire to serve, begins to oppose this church? I mean, we might think about attacks from the devil or, or the opposition of the culture of the world against this church, but what if God began to oppose this church? It's not that rare, actually. Churches slide into places of pride, especially when it comes to the issue of leadership and responding to leadership, and and elders think, well, if the congregation would just... And the congregation, well, the elders would just... And this pride divide shows up, and guess what? God opposes all of that. He opposes the pride. He gives grace to the humble. What is this grace he'll give? Well, the Bible uses that word to, in different ways. Obviously, the the Bible uses that word grace to talk about saving grace, right? Justification before God through Jesus Christ alone. But it it also uses that word to talk about all kinds of undeserved gifts that God might give. So, so what is it that God has in store for a humble Redemption Bible Church? I don't know. We can't really speculate. We, it's it's right, fruitless to contemplate, well, what does God have in store? What is the undeserved set of gifts that he's going to give to us? But here's something worth contemplating. The God who gives those gifts... I mean, if he is the kind of God who has saved you from being an enemy against him to being his family, and he's done it through giving to us his son who died on a cross to rescue us, to save us, his righteousness in place of your sin. If he's that kind of God who gives those kind of gifts, then can you imagine what kind of gifts he has in store for this congregation if we'll just humble ourselves? That's the kind of God he is. And that's what's in store, I trust, for this church. Now, one of those good gifts is already being given, I believe. And that is another elder here in this church. And that's, uh, that's Cade Hennessy. So what we're going to do now is, in just a minute, I'm going to ask uh, Pastor Blair and Pastor Treves to come on up here. And we're going we're to lay hands on Cade and... Uh, and in a minute, Cade and Corey are going to come up as well. I mean, we're, obviously, we're installing Cade as an elder. Um, but it's appropriate for Corey to be up here as well because she is going to help him and serve by his side. And it, it, it's a big deal to be an elder's wife. Um, it, it's not an office in the church, but, but it's a role. And so we're going to lay hands on Cade um, as, a, as a sign and a symbol of the installation of this man into this office. And if you would, as we pray and lay hands on him, um, would you pray along with us God's blessing and favor from a humble heart and a humble posture. Like that's how we want to move into this whole season is this way, humbling ourselves. So um, Blair and Trebes, if you'd come on up here, this thing looks like it weighs about three hundred (laughs) pounds. It's close.
1: (laughs) (laughs) All right, should we do the deed? We need to be, that's right. Uh, Kate and Corey, why don't you come on up here, and uh, we're going to ask them to kneel down here before us, and uh, and then we will lay hands and pray uh, for them. And so, Kate, you are an elder, but you aren't old enough, too old to kneel down yet, are you? No? That's just the dress. That's excluding. good. Uh, um, it's not my kneeling dress. Oh. That's
0: okay. You can stand That's right. That's
1: okay. All right? All righty. As we pray, would you uh, join us in praying? And if uh, you wouldn't mind, even just uh, if, you can, uh, if your muscles can hold up, your shoulder muscles, you can extend them out just as a way of affirmation of what we're doing here. But uh, um, there's nothing magical that's happening uh, in uh, our laying on of hands. It's just simply uh, the appointment of this man for the office. And so, um, Treves, why don't you kick us off, pray for him, and Josh, and then I'll close us up.
2: Heavenly Father, it is our privilege this morning to praise your name for the provision of Cade as a shepherd, an under-shepherd over this flock. Lord, You, we praise you as you have sovereignly ordained him for this position. From the day you saved him to today, you had this in mind, Lord. The ways in which you have uniquely equipped him with experience and with teaching and with suffering for this role in this church. And so, Lord, we praise you for Cade this morning and for his family. Lord, I pray that you would use his theological training, his his education, his Um, Experiences, Lord, that you would use them to serve your people. That it would not be for shameful gain, Lord, that it would be willingly, not under compulsion. I pray that you would use all of these gifts for your purposes. And Father, we pray that you would, that you would protect him that you would protect him and his family from, from pride, as Pastor Josh was just giving us a word on. Lord, that you would give them humility, that you would give Cade humility in the work that you have done. It is by no work of himself does he have standing before you and just the same, it is not by any work that he has done, but by your sovereign hand in his life that he is standing before this congregation this morning, Lord. So I pray that that would be fixed in his heart. And Lord, I pray that you would protect him from, from sin, that you would protect him from anything that would disqualify him and bring shame to your name. I pray that the brothers and sisters in this room would help hold him up in this regard. Protect their family, Lord, Let their focus and and energy and strength be found in Jesus Christ and Him crucified, the word that you have given them to live by. I pray these things in Jesus Christ's name.
0: Lord God, I pray specifically for Cade and Corey and their marriage and their family. The Strains of ministry are not unfamiliar to them. But this office comes with a target, a target from the enemy. And uh, so, Lord, I pray that you would protect them. I pray that you would give Cade supernatural wisdom and gentleness and um, a servant's heart towards his wife and his kids. Lord, your word makes it clear. The family, the home is the training ground and the proving ground for leadership in your church. And so, Lord, I pray that you would continue to train him through his home and prove him through his home to be um, walking in your grace, especially with his wife. Lord, I pray that you would protect Corey. The strains of an elder's wife are often um, deep and hidden. Uh, Lord, I pray that you would give her deeper and more fortified strength in you than any strain that comes their way. I pray for also for wisdom for her as she works with Cade to make disciples in their home uh, as the house of god um, is made up of so many other little houses including theirs and it will always need their attention by your grace would you grant that in
1: jesus name and father we uh we're grateful today for your kindness to us, your kindness to us as a people of God, your kindness to us as a, seen through Cade and Corey. And so, would you, uh, God, uh, equip them for the ministry that lies ahead the ministry of teaching, the ministry of equipping, the ministry of oversight, the ministry of counseling. Would you equip them for the, the, the days ahead, for the, for the days where I have no idea what the next step is. And so, Lord, would you give wisdom? Would you give uh, um, just a, a quickness, God, in uh, the spontaneous moments, God, but also the foresight to see far down the road. God, and so we just trust you. None of us minister in our own strength. None of us minister in our own wisdom. None of us minister in our own experience. And so would you bless my brother Cade in the ministry that you have appointed for him, in the ministry that you have appointed for Corey, God. Just pray for he and I that we would uh, uh, be united. We would have consensus that uh, there would be chemistry and joy in our friendship and partnership in the gospel the leadership of this church, God. They're so good to us, Lord. They're so good. And we can even ask these things and you would grant them, Lord. So thank you now, God. We've uh, prayed these things trusting you. We've prayed and asked you, knowing that it's your will, it's your design for elders to lead the church so, God, would you be gracious to us in the days ahead. God, do your work in this new season, this new year uh, at Redemption Bible Church. We love you, and we pray these things now in Christ's name. Amen. 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 Amen.